Hello, this is Mathematically Speaking. I'm your host, Adam Allred, and welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be continuing our journey into Mesopotamia and their mathematics. And if you remember from last episode, we discussed their numerical system, how they wrote their numbers, and a little bit into what they knew of Pythagorean triples. Continuing today, we're going to look how they solved quadratic equations. So if you ever took algebra, then you probably remember the quadratic formula. x equals negative b plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac all over 2a. If you took algebra and you remember that and it's haunting you, I'm sorry to bring it up again. If you've never taken algebra and you've never heard that before and it's just a jumble of letters, I'm sorry. Hopefully it makes sense by the end of this episode. So this formula can solve any quadratic equation, which is any equation where the largest exponent is 2. And these equations can model objects that are being thrown through the air or the shape of car headlights. And they're very, very significant and important in mathematics. But this formula isn't anything new, and it's not something that our math teachers came up with to torture us. It could be well over 4,000 years old, developed by the Mesopotamians. So rather than an equation that is already given to solve, the question for them was in the form of find a number so that when added to its reciprocal, we get some number. So we're gonna I'm gonna try and walk you through an example. And if you don't understand, that's totally okay. If you're able to follow the algorithm, great. So find a number so that when added to its reciprocal, we get b is equal to 2.003320. And remember, we're doing this in the Mesopotamian system, so everything's in 60. So 33 is in one spot, 20 is in one spot. You can have up to 60 in each spot. Since they didn't have any placeholders, normally you use commas instead of decimal points, because again, they didn't have decimal points. So to solve this question, we take half of the number we have. So we'll, half of everything in there, we get 1.001640. Square that, or multiply by itself, we get 1.003324374640. We subtract 1, take the square root, and then after that you add half of our original number. You'll get 1.045. I just threw a bunch of numbers at you. If it all went over your head, that's totally fine. But this process, this process is algorithmic, meaning that you can repeat this over and over, and each answer will get more and more accurate. If you write, if you write down one iteration of this process, it takes some basic manipulation to get it in the form of the quadratic formula that we know and love. So again, those steps. You, you have a number. Take half of it square it, subtract 1, square root, add a half of our original number. You can signify it with x or b like I did. If you play with that around, you'll get the quadratic formula that I mentioned at the top of the show. But to solve this equation, we have to do something called the square root. But what is the square root? Besides a button on a calculator, it's really an algorithm. It's also an algorithm that tells us what a number is. What number, when multiplied by itself, gives us 
gives us the number that we are square rooting. The number of roots can be increased to cubes, fourths, fifths, etc., each of them increasing the length of the algorithm and increasing the difficulty of the arithmetic. The Mesopotamians had a method that was fairly simple. It starts off with a guess. This gives you another guess. You take the average of the two, and you repeat. So it's really two steps. A guess, which gives you the, another number, add them up, divide by two. Keep repeating that. The worse your guess, the more iterations of the algorithm that, of the algorithm that you will need to do. We can do a simple example, which shouldn't be too hard to translate over audio. Let's take the square root of 16. It's four, but let's see if the algorithm can give it to us. Let's say our guess is two. The number that's given to us is going to be 16, the number we're taking the square root of, and our guess. So 16 over two, which is eight. We add up our guesses, two and eight is 10. Divide that by two. Half of 10 is 5. 5 is our new number. So then we take 5, 16 over 5, and divide that by 2. We get 4.1. Do this again, we get 4.00121. If you keep repeating this process, you get closer and closer to 4, meaning you get 4.000. You get more zeros after the decimal point before another digit shows up, meaning that it's getting closer and closer and closer to 4. This means that this is our answer. That was a very simple algorithm, but it's very powerful, and it could be taught to anyone in any grade, as long as you know your multiplication tables and have a basic calculator. The one on your smartphone could work. So if you want to try that on your own, go ahead, pause, rewind, try and do it. But depending on the culture, this process could be finished where we left it, or it could never end. For the Mesopotamians, the answer is that it's done, it's over, because it got the job done. It got us close enough to four, it wasn't going to change to five or three or two miraculously, it was going to stay four. But when we get to Greece, whose conception of number was entirely different than the Mesopotamians and the modern day concept, we are very early in human history and we are already beginning to see the stirrings of infinity and all the implications of that. The Greek concept of number was only related to measurements, meaning that there was no infinity because you can't have something of infinite length. And so the approximation that is 4.00121 equaling 4, that, that, was, that was false. That did not exist. For the Greeks, there were no square roots because they implied the existence of something called irrational numbers, which are numbers that can't be written as a fraction. But we will discuss the ideology behind this kind of thinking when we get there, and I'm sorry that I keep jumping forward and having to pull back. It's just that everything is so connected, and the way the thought of number differentiates between the two is an important insight. But we can't just wave away the idea as ancient minds being inferior to our own because they didn't understand infinity like we do. And as we have seen, they were very capable of so much mathematics, much of which that we take for granted, or some that we have taken that we have forgotten altogether. Both of these positions are valid. It's a never-ending process, or the, number, or the approximation is good enough and it works. They can be argued to be true philosophically. But a numerical world where there is no infinity is a much simpler one, but it's a much different one than we have today. The understanding and grasp of infinity and infinite series and infinite algorithm 
changes the face of mathematics forever. It gives us higher level algebra and calculus and mathematical analysis and computation theory and so many more subjects. The acceptance of infinity has allowed the Industrial Revolution to begin in the UK and in the US rather than mainland Europe. And while it may be debated whether infinity is as real as we think it is, our world would be very different if we kept a conception of number that was based on measurement and not a, an idea of what number is in our collective heads. Now in history courses, we do not give full credit to ancient civilizations or we trivialize their discoveries because they seem so obvious to us now, we ridicule for what they got wrong. Or we suggest that aliens came down and must have shared their intelligence with the humans, allowing them to create structures and, and have intelligence because there was no way that they could have come up with these technologies all on their own. But they were much more advanced than we give them credit for. So I'm going to give you a question, and I want you to guess if it came from an Algebra 2 textbook or a Mesopotamian clay tablet. Given an interest rate of 1 60th per month with no compounding interest, compute the doubling time. Is it from a textbook or a clay tablet? This is from a clay tablet that was from about 2000 BC, and it reads remarkably like a modern-day homework question. But this question... And on the clay tablet, which could have been a, a quote-unquote textbook for them, means that they understood percentages and interest rates and the mathematical, f mathematical formulas that go with them. So if they had math for interest rates, then they must have had something like banking where their interest would be needed. Because remember, mathematics does not appear without a need for it or without a solution for it to fix. This also means they had a system of currency that could appreciate over time. This little question on a clay tablet gives us so much insight into the advancements of an ancient culture, and their understanding of mathematics is how we can know this. We started as a species with this kind of intellectual technology, and it is profounding, profound and also embarrassing that so many people have such a terrible understanding of it. it is, that is a reflection of our education system, but it is also a reflection of us that we let it get that bad. If you are listening to this, then you're already the kind of person that wants to better themselves and educate yourself further. So I say continue to do so. Encourage yourself and others around you. Further your education outside of formal schooling. Explore, explore the world around you and seek to actually understand it. I'm not saying this podcast is going to give you an old, a true understanding of the world, but it gives you a, a brief insight to the history of something that helped create the world around you. And the answer to the question, by the way, is five. It takes five years with an interest rate of 1 60th to double. This has been Mathematically Speaking. Thank you for listening. And on the next episode, we begin our exploration of Egypt and discover that our ancestors knew more than we think, and that it's not crazy to think that they built the pyramids all on their own. Hey, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the show. Just a quick pause to let you know that if you have any questions or comments and you'd like them to be on the show, Feel free to leave me a voice message. The link for that should be in the show notes. If you want to leave me a message, you can find me on Instagram at Adam underscore Elisha, on Twitter at Mathematically Speaking, and there's now a Facebook group called Mathematically Speaking where we're going to be having discussions after every show, and I'll be posting episodes there about a day early. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show.